the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Like Bob on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Live. And welcome to Bob Bernie Live. Welcome to our listeners in Washington, D.C. on WAVA 105.1 FM as I have the privilege of sitting in for Don Crow today, but also I cannot, I must not, I will not forget my listeners here in Ohio on uh, AM 880 and 104.5 FM WRFD. So wherever you are listening, it is my uh, indeed my privilege and honor to be your host. Thank you for allowing me to be on this side of the microphone, knowing that you are on that side of the microphone. Quick program note, uh, Senator J.D. Vance will be joining us live at 445. Uh, that's Lord willing. This is live radio and you... Well, you never know with live radio, but that is the plan. Uh, Senator J.D. Vance, freshman senator from Ohio, uh, will be joining us at uh, 445. Uh, Here's an update. Uh, I I would assume that Don uh, Crow has uh, followed this. I certainly have. Uh, Calvary Chapel in San Jose, California, Uh, refused the lockdown mandates of California. And, of course, now we all know the lockdowns didn't work. In fact, not only did they not work, they caused more harm than good. Yeah, we we know that. Uh, Well, Calvary Chapel was one of several churches in California and many across the country that basically said... uh, no, we uh, we we live under the Constitution here in America. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And uh, no, the government is not going to shut us down. We will take precautions, but no, we're not going to shut down. John MacArthur's church took the uh, similar stand. Well, uh, Calvary Chapel in San Jose has been in and out of court, in and out of court, Courts have ruled in their favor. The courts have ruled against them. The courts ruled for them. Well, here is the latest. A uh, federal judge has ordered Calvary Chapel in San Jose, California, to pay $1.2 million in fines because it, quote, defied the county's COVID lockdown restrictions. Now, you would think that since we all know that the lockdowns didn't work, that the county would not even want to draw attention to the fact that they locked down some businesses and a whole bunch of churches 
for no real reason. But no, 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 no. The uh, judge in the case said in her ruling, quote, It should appear clear to all, regardless of religious affiliation, that wearing a mask while worshiping one's God and communing with other congregants is a simple, unobtrusive giving way to protect others while still exercising your right to religious freedom. The judge accused the church of egregious conduct. Yeah. So anyway, um, Calvary Chapel has been ordered. And again, the the rulings keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Here's the latest. They've been ordered to pay the county $1.2 million. Obviously, they are going to appeal that. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. One of the sad things about all of that was how inconsistent this was across the country. Some cities, some counties were nutso on the whole lockdown thing. Other counties, cities, and even states were loosey-goosey. There was, there was no consistency whatsoever. And we, again, pardon the repetition, but we now know that the lockdowns didn't accomplish anything positive and did accomplish a lot of negative things. Anyway, uh, here's some strange good news from the United Nations. The uh, United States, the European Union, and Canada at the 56th Annual United Nations Commission on Population and Development. The European Union, the United States, that's us folks, and Canada At the last minute, in passing resolutions, inserted radical and never-before-agreed-upon language to start making, quote, comprehensive sex education a human right. Now, most of you, because you're smarter than the average bear, know that when the liberal left is talking about comprehensive sex education, we're talking about porn, we're, we're talking about inundating children with pornography. That's what usually, not always, but usually what comprehensive sex education is all about. And so us, the United States, the European Union, and Canada got together and said, uh, oh, kids around the world need more porn. And so we're going to declare comprehensive sex education a a human right. Really? Well, you say, Bob, you said there was good news. Well, there is good news. Because 22 other countries said, uh-uh, nope, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The sad thing is, The United States, under the Biden administration, was the driving force to try to make sex ed a human right. Who in their right mind could think that sex education is a human right? 
But once again, the good news is 22 other nations said, nope, it is not going to happen. Here's the story. The 56th Annual United Nations Commission on Population and Development ended abruptly last Friday in New York City. The commission ended with a thud, not a bang, and turned the entire weeks-long process into basically an exercise in futility. Why? Because there was not enough support. In fact, overwhelming objection from other nations around the world to the radical agenda put forth by the United States, the European Union, and Canada. Quote, Once this far-reaching pro-abortion language was added, 22 countries representing over 1 billion people withdrew their support of the document. The negotiations then, and I'm quoting, spiraled into chaos. And um, guess who was leading the chaos? Yeah, us. The United States under the current administration. The... um, the testimony, the reputation of the United States of America has been unbelievably damaged under the current administration. All right, quick break, and uh, we'll be back. Follow Bob on Twitter at twitter.com slash Live. And welcome back to Bob Bernie Live. Thank you for joining me on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. I said earlier that we were going to have J.D. Vance on the program And uh, I believe we have him on the line. Uh, Senator Vance, welcome to the program. Hey, Bob. How are you? I am well. This is my first opportunity to say welcome to Senator Vance rather than Candidate Vance. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. you know, I, I, you're supposed to talk about political things and your positions, but I think your positions are pretty well known. Uh, I, I think my audience would rather learn personal things about you. And it, so the first thing I want to ask you, when you got to Washington, D.C., you were sworn in as a senator. What were one or two things that you just were not prepared for? <laughs> well, you know, I'll give you a I'll give you a a positive thing and sort of a funny thing. So, you know, when I was sworn in, I obviously my entire family was here, a very big deal for us. And I grew sure. up in a working class family, uh, first in my family to go to college. So getting sworn in as a U.S. Senator was a very big deal. Yeah. And uh, that was a, that was a wonderful thing. And, you know, really just had this sense of the majesty of the place that as much as it's possible, it's 
cynical about our politics, Bob. This is an amazing institution that we have here in the U.S. Senate, and uh, I think people like me have to fight to preserve it. The, the second thing I will say that was pretty funny is that as I was standing on the on the floor of the Senate, the very first time I had been there, uh, and I was I was uh, getting ready to be sworn in by the vice president, we kept on hearing somebody shout from the balcony, where's my dad? Where's my dad? And it turned out to be my three-year-old. So by, by, by the time I was sworn in, the entire Senate floor, I think, knew that it was my three-year-old up there shouting at them. And that was pretty, you know, pretty funny, but also obviously a very, very heartwarming experience yeah. for, for a young father and a new senator. Uh, that's great. Were you, were you kind of overwhelmed with, I'm actually here? Was it, I, I mean, seriously, was it hard to believe that you were actually there representing the people of Ohio in the United States Senate? Yeah, it, you know, I have that feeling uh, on the day that I was sworn in, but I, I've had that feeling many times since then. I mean, right now, Bob, I'm, I'm actually doing this interview from the balcony of the Capitol. It's a beautiful day in here in Washington. No kidding. Uh, I, 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 hear in, I hear in Ohio the weather's not actually not as, not as nice today. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, ev- every day I have these moments. And, it, again, it's, it's a good reminder um, that we, we have this people's government here, and it's an, it's, it's an incredible privilege as an American to have a government that is is supposed to answer to you and not to some despot, and that's that's a good thing. It's one of the things that you know, we often fall short of in our country, and I talk all the all the time about ways we fall short of it. Uh, but it is a great ideal, and it's something that I think it, at its best uh, this capital represents. Well, I want to thank you for making yourself available. I can't imagine how busy you are during the campaign. You were more available to me and my radio audience than anyone else in the campaign, and I. At the time I praised you, I have seen so many, when they get to Washington, forget about the people who elected them. So my audience was part of your core constituency. And again, I just appreciate you taking time for us. Uh, What is number one on J.D. Vance's agenda? I know you're a freshman senator, but what is number one on your agenda? You know, I, I, I give you maybe a short answer and a, and a longer answer. The, the short answer is that we have a very specific piece of railway safety legislation mm. that I think is a really important part of making things like what happened in East Palestine and, unfortunately, train accidents all across our country nearly every day less yes. common. Uh, and that, that's just a very specific, again, very very short answer, something I'm working on right now that I think we have a chance of getting passed and maybe even a chance of, of President Biden signing it. Uh, which obviously is not going to sign a whole lot of Republican pieces of legislation, but this might be one of them. You know, the, the, the longer-term answer I give, Bob, is I really think that the the drug crisis in this country, the amount of fentanyl that's flowing yeah. across the southern border, the number of children being orphaned by it. Um, I, I read a report just today about the amount of, of human trafficking, child trafficking that's happening because of what's going on at the southern border. This is a moral disaster for our country and I, and I talk about, you know, our, the ideals of our government. When they work well, this is truly the people's government. But when it works poorly and you can't even solve a basic problem like child trafficking across the southern border, uh, then I, I think it's time for all of us, Republicans and Democrats, to get our heads together and actually figure out a solution to a problem. This is not rocket science. We have not always had thousands of children being trafficked at our southern border, but we do right now because of policy choices. And I think we have to fight as Republicans, as conservatives, as people of, of good conscience to change this. 
Well, I, I agree. And I, I, you probably don't know this, but we are broadcasting in Washington, D.C. as well. We are simulcasting with our sister station, WAVA in Washington. I'm filling in for their guest, their uh, talk show host today. So you're talking to the folks of Ohio, but you're also talking to an enormous off- audience in Washington, D.C. From us on the outside looking in, it seems like our government is almost hopelessly divided and dysfunctional. Is the division between the two parties as bad as it seems from us looking in? You know, it's a very interesting question, Bob, because I assumed, just like everybody else, that it was hopelessly dysfunctional. I will say from the inside, uh, people like each other more in private than they let on in public. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that doesn't lead to a whole lot of progress on the country's big problems. Mm-hmm. Um I think most of my Democratic colleagues recognize that we have a terrible problem on the southern border. They don't disagree with us with with this or that solution, but they recognize the problem. They're just not interested, I think, for public reasons, for political reasons, in helping us solve that problem. So um, I, I actually, you know, I've only been here a few months, and so I'm, I'm young and naive, but I have some hope that we can solve some of the big problems here. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm going to try to do, and, and when I find a good person willing to work on it, then I'll do that. And uh, when we find disappointment, I think that's just part of the job, too. You've got to at least try. I think that's what the people of Ohio have been here to do. All right. We've got probably less than a minute. J.D., how can we pray for you? How can my audience here in Ohio and Washington, how can we pray for you and your family? You know, I, I'd say two things. First of all, I appreciate that. And, and you know, Bob, I'm, I'm a man of, of faith, and I appreciate the prayers. I, I guess the two things that I'd ask for and that I ask for in my own prayers are for wisdom and for courage. Uh, you know, wisdom to know the right path, uh, to actually come up with the right solutions to the country's problems, but also courage to actually fight for them. The one thing I'll say, Bob, I've learned, we, we live in, a, in an era where People who actually stand up and, and take a stand on important issues. And I'll, I'll just take one example. I, we I got about twenty sec- doing... about twenty seconds left. Bob, I, I just say I think we're doing a lot of damage to our kids uh, right now, and uh, we've got to have people with courage. So All please right. pray for courage. All right, you got it, JD Vance. Thank you so much for your time. I hope we can do it again soon. God bless you. Thanks, All right, quick break. We'll be back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 